about time for true crime. Hey, stop it. (laughs) Jesus. You're like, I'm Abby. I'm about to be like, I'm sick. Uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. How are you feeling? Are you doing any better? Feeling a little bit better. I think I still have the raspy yeah little extra sultry voice for you guys smelly cat jazz edition yes <laughs> oh my god i should should perform make smelly my cat, debut smelly cat oh yes sorry um, okay um yeah i don't know it's it's a good low-key week we're both chugging in there i feel like yeah we're just hanging in there watching the leaves these oh. new england foliage like handful of weeks are so beautiful and then yes. as quickly as they're here, they're gone. I know. And then I'm like, God damn it. And I have to wait till like May for things to look alive again. Yeah. But it is so, it's just quintessential. Like it feels um, kind of country back road, beautiful postcard. Yes. Yeah. I agree with Everywhere you. Everywhere you go. It's so nice. So yeah, I mean, that's fall here, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's fall here, but... That is not fall in Florida right now. No. So I know many of us here in the U.S. know about Hurricane Ian in Florida and how it wreaks some havoc. A lot of um, havoc. In, the, in that area. And for a lot of us, it's not in the news anymore. We've forgotten about it. But there's a lot of people that can't forget about it because they're living it. So I just wanted to take like two seconds, I promise, not long, to talk about um, if you want to donate or volunteer, or anything like that, any of our Florida listeners, um, it's going to be linked in the show notes, but it's just volunteerflorida.org. Just so if anybody has any interest in that or being aware of what it is that's going on down there, that you will have that in the show notes and on our Instagram page. Yeah, you know what, you guys? It's always good to give back where you can, and especially as we're starting to see natural disasters start to, like, I don't know. It feels ubiquitous now. It's everywhere. Um, Just remember that this, if it doesn't directly impact you and yours, could very soon. And hopefully we're giving out the kind of energy we want to get back if it comes around. So That's exactly what I think. And it's just, you know, there's a lot of people that it wasn't supposed to hit or it wasn't the trajectory wasn't going to hit them. And then it did. And I mean, in Florida, they say you should always be prepared. But like it's it's prime hurricane season right now so yeah um there's a lot of people displaced there's a lot of animals displaced there's a lot of pets that were left behind and that all of that just really is very upsetting but if we could do something about it I know that I will be um I invite you to do that with me or at the very least just you know if you can't donate anything just share it hell yeah that's totally fine money is tight these gas prices aren't quitting no and neither is inflation it's been working hard its whole life and it's just continuing (laughs) it's like hitting it's like sprint right now but um we'll have all that information so i just wanted to take a couple minutes there before we jump into this episode to talk about that well thanks babe i think that was definitely a valuable addition well anything for you babe Mm -hmm. and you guys let us know too because in the future we might do um some merch sales where we decide a certain percent of proceeds that we get from our merch will go to different causes different funds all sorts of things like that so if you guys have a charity cause that you're really invested in and you really want to see some hard-earned 
money go to in a positive way where you still get something cute out of it, do let us know. We'd be happy to do that and happy to support what you guys support as well as those causes that are near and dear to us. Absolutely. And we're not opposed to changing them on like a quarterly basis or monthly or something like that. But we'll yeah. we'll talk about that as the closer we get to it. But just sort of have that in the back of your mind. Yeah. Have um, that in your back pocket. Tuck it in there. Keep it in the... What is it? The keep it on the back of the stove, the back burner. The back there burner. There it is. The back of the stove. Oh she my says. gosh! It's been a long week, you guys. <laughs> the um, back burner. But you know, as we talked about on Tuesday, I am gonna let Allie hop right into this so that she can save her little voice. I know. Thank you. It's finally doing better, so I'm hoping a little bit. I'm still quite nasally. Um, but again, very plus, just a good little treat for you guys. Ooh. So. We'll jump right into it so I can save my voice. All right. So what am I in for today? So today we're going to be talking about the murder of Daniel Brophy. Oh, my. By Nancy Brophy. Oh, my. Yes. So normally I always want to start with the victim, but unfortunately there's really no information that you can find on this man out there. Uh. Um, But I did want to go into Nancy's background, who's the offender in this because it gets interesting later on and there's a lot of callbacks to the early life so we'd have to talk about it anyway okay okay we're gonna, it. we're gonna jump right into it so nancy was born nancy lee crampton and she was born in wichita falls texas on june 16th 1950 she was the middle child to um to her parents the middle of three who were both attorneys so I'm sure they didn't get get away with shit. No, the probably house. not. Um, and then in 1968, she graduated from high school. And then in the fall of that year, she enrolled in college. And she attended the University of Houston and was earning a degree in economics. Okay. Um, to my knowledge, she didn't complete that degree. All right. Um, she started it, but I couldn't find like a year that she graduated. You do, you girl. Um, then Nancy married a man, and I can literally not find his name out there, but it seems like they were married for some time, then got divorced. I don't believe any kids were involved. Okay. No harm, no foul. Right. So then after that divorce, and at 30 years old, Nancy decides she needs a change. She needs to get out there, and she wants to get out of Texas. Okay. So she packs up, and she heads to Oregon. All right. And this is where she enrolls in a new school. And it's called Western Culinary Institute, but it's not named that anymore. It's called Le Cordon Bleu College of Culinary Arts. That's so funny. You know what that made me want? A fucking Cordon Bleu. Yeah, of course it did. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. Um, but anyway, the na- so you'll hear the name like interchangeably um, because that, that was the former name and now the new name makes you hungry. So we've even talked about this before on our show, but I literally can ruin boiling water, <laughs> but... I make a damn good grilled cheese. Yeah, you do. Um, my fiance is actually a pretty damn good cook, so I oh, he is. normally hand him the reins on that. Um, I'm pretty lucky, but I'm not the kind of person that that comes natural to. Like, I can figure it out, but I don't just, like, see it and can make it. And I would literally rather go to school for most things other than culinary arts. Cause really? Because it would just be bad. I just, I don't know. I would ruin it. Well, I think if you're learning it, you'd do great. Like, you're a very good student. I feel like you like school. So I feel like if that was just the topic you were learning about, you'd do well. But I get where it wouldn't be your most passionate topic. Yeah, I'm like, I appreciate where she could go from something like economics to like culinary arts and like 
do well in both of them i can appreciate that because i i don't know maybe i could we're not gonna find out though hmm? that's way too expensive of a gamble <laughs> for that, me that is fair but on her first day of classes um she meets daniel brophy okay however not as a classmate he's a professor oh so that's a change the other funny thing here is that she's older than him she's four years older than him so she was in her 30s going back to school and everything um and he was in his late 20s yeah at the time so they quickly became friends i'm hoping that it was after she was no longer taking his class but they did become friends and then that friendship grew romantic and dan had been married before um he had a son with his previous wife okay um so i mean he was already like independent all that stuff and nancy was attracted to him and according to the oregonian we're gonna reference that a lot because that um big like newspaper had a bunch of articles on this case okay they're all gonna be linked don't worry um according to them it was his quote intelligence and gastronomic prowess that drew her in gastronomic prowess that that's the word i'm not gonna lie to you all that makes me think of is like an ironclad stomach like as someone with gluten problems i'm like ooh, a good gi yes i mean maybe like it was all culinary right like right gastronomic prowess like he could or eat is that like a big farter <laughs> which is it <laughs> like man he could cook but after he ate it holy shit clear yeah. the room yeah exactly is it like <laughs> ibs or is it like he can handle that undercooked fish that you're serving him oh, God. <laughs> well we may never know oh no um <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> i know i was like okay intelligence i i could appreciate that but if someone were to talk about me and you're like you know what i love about Allie? it's the <laughs> gas you know of all things and there's many the one thing that really just draws me just in. draws me in like a fish on a hook just mm-mm-mm. I, i'll eat it up yeah <laughs> gastronomic prowess thank you oh my um but anyway after she earned her degree in culinary arts nancy found joy in writing oh okay so she had interest in publishing books she had found a passion in writing and then she often liked to write some like spicy romance stories Ooh, sultry um, little thing but put a pin in there okay. so she likes writing Okay. Okay. In 1999, they threw a large ceremony, like a wedding, um, and then used husband and wife when referring to each other from that point on. Okay. And I believe she even called herself Nancy Brophy. I mean, she took his last name. She They had a, you know, marriage or whatever. So they did, like, formally get married? Well, the, the terminology was misleading because they never filed the paperwork. Got it. So, I mean, and that, that depends on how... You know, if there's a religious thing, you know, some people will like they don't do the paperwork or something mm-hmm. like that. But it's it's for them. And it's before from what I could tell, they just literally didn't file the paperwork. So they considered themselves married. They yeah, just they called didn't that. do it under tax law. Right. They didn't okay. they didn't do that. And I couldn't really find why. But just said like they didn't file the paperwork to make them legally husband right. and wife. But for me, I'll say this. If somebody takes on a last name, that's so much paperwork. There's got to be some element of seriousness there. Well, she started calling herself that, but who knows when she was signing documents what she was doing. That's fair. That is fair. 
she gets a little more shady, as we'll see. Oh, no. Okay, continue. So they didn't file the paperwork, like, for their marriage license or anything like that until June of 2016, which was 17 years after their supposed wedding and after they were already, like, telling everybody that they were married and (laughs) gathered their loved ones. Anyway, it's just... That's interesting. Interesting to note. Tuck that in my back pocket. Yes. But regardless, after their marriage ceremony in 99, Daniel continued to work at the university as a professor, a culinary arts professor, and he was making between fifty and $60,000 a year, which for the time does not yeah. sound bad at all. Um, and Nancy ran a catering business in Portland, Oregon. Um, that was doing very well, although she preferred the administrative part of it. So she was sort of like the one running the company and not really the one like Cooking. on yeah on the ground floor, like coming up with the recipes or things like that. She was doing all the business deals and transactions, negotiations, all that stuff. Okay. And she really liked it. Um, she kept the business running smoothly and it did. And she was the breadwinner by a long shot between the two of them. Like okay. her company had been making some good money. But unfortunately, in 2001, after the attacks on 9-11, her business suffered and she was forced to cut her staffing almost in half. Oh, my word. And she was quoted at the time in in a local article as saying, quote, everyone's hanging on, hoping the economy is going to turn. If you laid off 40 people this year, you're not thinking, let's have a holiday party. You're thinking nobody's in the mood to celebrate. Right. Not wrong. No. So shortly after this, Um, And due to the stress and demands of that job, Nancy left the catering industry altogether and decided that she was ready for another fresh start. Okay. So she began selling life insurance and Medicare policies and earned commission on her sales. Um, But she was not making the money that she had been kind of accustomed to, um, the lifestyle that they had. I mean, really just to pay their bills. It it wasn't enough to keep up. Right. And I'm just going to throw this out there. Immediately in my head, it's super... It's weird, and this is not necessarily a shady thing that she's doing, um, but it is strange to me to make commission off of selling life insurance. I mean, I think that's what people who sell insurance do. Like, they make a commission off. I don't know if it's, like... Good or anything. Yeah, yeah. tiered based on, like, how, like, what the policy is, or if it's just you made a sale, this is, you know... The percent or whatever. Right, whatever that looks like. Which, I mean, it's not uncommon, but it's just all of these very different avenues that she's going in. Right. And maybe maybe part of it is that and maybe part of it is also that to me it feels wrong to sort of profit on insurance that has to do with like the worst day of the mm-hmm. living successors lives. Sure. Or one of them, you know, I won't say that every single person who has insurance is going to be everybody's worst day. That's not really realistic, but it's just, it that feels icky to me, but I don't think that's a her thing. I think no, that's I an think industry thing. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's a her thing. I just think it's someone's got to do it. And I'll say this: as far as all the different directions, that to me says a lot of screw ups, or it says to me ADHD because hyperfixations as hell. But well, I mean, the business just kind of suffered. The right. One. So I think she maybe just applied the skills that she had, and yeah. working with people and being probably a good saleswoman for her business, and just decided, let me try my you know well, try my hand at this that and also like i don't know i haven't lived through a ton of decades in my lives i don't know how many times i'll want a fresh start so like i'm also trying to keep an open mind to like sometimes that's just life and you want things to change like you want to change the scenery sure but then she probably figured this is more reliable right than a business that she already had to cut staff in half for yeah 
So at this point, she's still not making enough money and they begin using credit cards to cover the cost of their bills. Right. Which is never the situation that you want to get into. No. And so while dealing with the stress of the catering business and then when she was switching gears entirely to sell insurance, Nancy really leaned into her writing. Okay. Um, she had gained some writing experience in school, but it was more like technical and business related, like with her culinary degree and things like that. Right, right. Um, rather than what she would suit, what would kind of become her passion, which was um, writing fiction. Okay. Um, she had joined local writers groups, um, trying to learn and like hone her craft. I think that is so cute. Like just the idea that there are local like writers clubs. Yeah, she got into it. And by 2013, she had self-published her first book. Holy moly. Um, it was the first book in a five-part series of romance novels. Oh. Um, and that same Oregonian article, which I'm, I'm like, swear to God, if I'm wrong about how I'm pronouncing that, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't see how it could be any other way, but I could be proven wrong. I have been wrong before, believe it or not. I do so believe that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... They said that um, of these books, quote, the works featured star-crossed lovers, police procedures, and one in one instance, a multi-million dollar life insurance policy. Interesting. So I just wanted to include that here. However, even with the publishing of her books, their financial situation was not improving. She hardly saw a cent from the sales of her work. Uh. There were very limited reviews on her books online. I mean, I'm sure that's different now that her case has come out, but we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Don't you worry. Okay. Um, and so in November of 2017, Dan took out $35,000 of his retirement early, which you get taxed like up the ass on. Yeah. Um, just to pay off their credit cards. Oh, they, that's $35,000? $35,000. Just Holy. to like put that to bed. Um, and supposedly this remedied many of their financial issues. They had pretty much just maxed out all the cards that they had, paid that off. Right. Their relationship got better. Right. And debt is like a trap for anybody. It's easy to get into. It's hard to get out of. Oh, yeah. And difficult for marriages to survive it. Oh, yeah. It's a huge stressor. So this was November 2017, right? Yeah. By June of 2018, June 2nd, Dan is found dead. Oh, my God. He was shot twice in the kitchen of the university that he worked for, which is basically his classroom. Right. Um, he was shot once in the back while he was standing at the sink and then at closer range um, in the chest. Well, I hope no one's claiming self-defense. He was 63. And oh. he had been left there to be found by his students. So he was shot just before 8 a.m. and he had an 8 a.m. class so when the students walked in they're the ones that found him dead are you fucking kidding me wish i was that's so rude so investigators were considering all possibilities but by september of 2018 their focus shifted almost entirely to his wife nancy and she was arrested for his murder she was 67 year years old at the time that she was arrested holy hell so, from September 2018 until, get this, April 2022, Holy. Nancy was incarcerated awaiting trial. Okay. So, in April of this year, her trial began. So, any future people listening, hey, hi, it's 2022 here. Yeah, we are just a few short months post that. I know, yeah. And so, prior to court, prior to the trial and all of that stuff, the four years that she was away, 
Nancy did not entertain any requests for interviews or statements. In fact, according again to that same Oregonian article, Mm -hmm. it wasn't until she decided to testify in her own trial that anyone heard her speak on the matter. Okay. Um, She was quoted as saying, I have not done press interviews. I have not done any of the things where I could have told my story. I have been absolutely quiet from the day Dan died until now. Um, So this is her breaking her silence. So we know that it's not often a good idea to testify in your own trial. A lot of times attorneys will question um, or kind of push back against it. They, they, you know, your attorneys won't want you to do that. The prosecutors can really ask you anything. Yeah. Um, defense attorneys can't really protect you from cross. So there's sort of that. And it says trickiness. It says a lot in the eyes of public opinion, I think, to give your own testimony and plead the fifth on every single cross-exam question. So. Well, yes. And I think that for a lot of times, and at least, hey, the, the cases that we're talking about normally can end in a conviction or we're talking about like higher level, like, you know, murder cases or things like that, where right. oftentimes we're going to highlight the court proceedings because they did testify and there's more information on that and like quotes by them and things like that and and then oftentimes they get convicted (laughs) right so yeah um, yeah but just to give you sort of like an idea she gave no shits about that and did it anyway okay so by this time she's 71 years old she's got white curly hair down to her shoulders she's got wrinkles maybe a little bit too much blue eyeliner but i'll let it slide well you know the 90s, early 2000s. That was the look. 2018. No, 2022. No, I know it's 2022. I'm just saying that was the look probably the last time she was paying attention to the look. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but she went, she was a little heavy handed with that. But OK, girl, you do you. But she looks like a grandmother. Right. Like maybe your grandmother. Like she just uh, we will have pictures of her. You'll you'll see it. Um, so now I want to get into how everything that we just talked about sort of ties together and all the points that were made on both sides. Yeah. So prosecution sort of centered their approach on the financial issues that the couple had and the fact that they had to take money out of his retirement in order to really recover from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that that was her motive because Dan had a life insurance policy of one point four million dollars. Holy shit. Um, and shortly after his death, Nancy was like gunning for it. OK. Which. OK, you are the widow, though. Yeah. Like to me that doesn't that's not a point in like against her. Right. And the other thing too is death is expensive. Like I know it's not a fun thing to talk about and it's a lot more fun if every time somebody's going after life insurance it's for like greed and self like selfish reasons, but burying someone costs money. Um headstones cost money, funerals cost money. All of that is going to be super expensive. And that's if you don't want to do an autopsy or get any other medical professions involved, like professionals involved. That's also if you don't have outstanding debt that will need to be paid first before the family can get. Right. You know, so it's this whole thing. So they kind of pointed to that. I disagree, but y'all can make your own decision. That's what we're here for. Right. Um, one of the bigger things, though, was that when investigators pulled the surveillance footage from the campus... They can literally see her driving around the campus Ugh. of the school. It was just minutes before the shooting. Okay. She doesn't work there. She's not a student there. So why? <laughs> she, she's 67. You know what I mean? What is she doing on the college campus to just 
It wasn't like she was visiting her husband. And this was at like, you know, 7.30 in the morning. Yeah, that's sus. So when they first asked her where she was, like the day that it happened, okay, where were you? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. She's saying that she was home in bed and she was writing. Like she was, you know, she's a writer. She was writing in bed. That's where she was. So that completely contradicts the actual tangible surveillance evidence that the investigators have that literally show her right there, right then. Yeah. So defense counsel's rebuttal to this was actually delivered by their hired expert witness who testified that it's likely because she was in such shock of the news of her husband's murder that she forgot what she had done and that she suffered from, quote, retrograde amnesia okay, um, and forgot the events of this morning. Well, and psych-wise, I will say that trauma does lead to very poor memory. And oh, yeah. We're going to get there. Okay. It's, right. a, it's a lot. I was um, going to say, that that doesn't raise too many red flags for me right now. It seems a little convenient, but it doesn't raise a lot. But what frustrates me, and this is not unique to this case because this happens in, like, every single one, the idea of hiring an expert witness. Yes, you have to <laughs> hire them for their time. They're an expert in their craft. Okay. That's going to take them time, whatever. But it's just like you would think the court would hire like several to examine it, not like defense counsel being like, oh, you're going to say what we want you to. We'll pick you. Do you know what I'm saying? Because then prosecution can just also go fishing for one, find one that's going to say what they want. That's just my issue because I'm like, okay, who's getting paid? I'm always of the mind, like follow the money. I feel like there should be a voir dire process for expert testimonials. And I also think that there should be someone of neutral status whether that's the court clerk whether that's the judge themselves that picks out those people yeah for that purpose and because if you, you're totally right anybody will say anything if you pay them enough money if you guys don't know what voir dire is it is the jury selection process where prosecution and defense counsel can sort of like filter jurors right so that one side can't stack it for their favor right so like for a hypothetical Let's say even in just this case, the prosecution can't stack the jury bench with people that hate women and have been shown to have a bias against women. Right. Right. In the same way that, you know, they can't stack it of like people who hate their husbands or, you know, all divorcees who got large life, you know, all of kinds of things that you could do. You you can't do that. It needs to be an even spread or as much as you can and that's a big piece of how attorneys kind of build their cases we should do an episode literally just on that of how should how the strategy um shifts based on who's there but a topic for another time all of that to say that this hired expert attorney gave testimony saying that he believes it's very likely that she just does not recall so i did a little bit of digging yay so according to healthline you know i want to dig in a little bit to like what retrograde amnesia is Mm -hmm. and it is caused by damage to the memory storage areas of the brain in various brain regions Mm -hmm. this type of damage can result from a traumatic injury a serious illness a seizure or stroke or a degenerative brain disease depending on the cause retrograde amnesia can be temporary permanent or progressive people with ra have trouble accessing memories from before the onset of amnesia so 
basically what this is saying is that it's from like a traumatic physical injury like a like a head injury like car accident bang your head off the wall or something right or some other like illness like a bacterial or a viral infection that's going to impact the brain but it's not talking about trauma okay okay so i had to dig a little bit deeper because the normal like ra information mm-hmm. retrograde in media i'm just gonna say ra because it's a mouthful and my voice is going so ra can be broken up into other categories too okay the one that i think that they're referring to here is called dissociative amnesia yes and so um i think that's that's what they're saying she has and that is quote a rare type of ra resulting from an emotional shock it's not caused by damage to the brain like other types of retrograde amnesia it's purely a psychological response to trauma it's often caused by a violent crime or other violent trauma 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 and other violent trauma and is usually only temporary. So this makes sense. So this is saying that she's received news that has been so traumatic to her that her brain is sort of like essentially freezing. Right. Um, we see this a lot in like trauma brain or victims of abuse or witness something horrific. Um, typically the brain will sort of pick and choose certain details. It will recall, um, yeah. discard the rest and maybe later those will come back. But the, what I did think was interesting here was that in this type of um, amnesia, you won't forget skills. You'll forget facts. Yes. So you won't forget how to drive a car, but you might forgot when you bought your car. Right. Um, things like that. So I think that that's interesting. Um, so she's just forgetting like the timeline of things, but not forgetting how yeah. to do any so of So maybe she's recalling that she was writing right but she's not recalling where right okay and we're gonna get there so to me this sort of checks out i can see what they're going for here right i wanted to provide a little bit of context for that i appreciate that you looked it up on on face value it sounded wonky but then the more digging you did it's like okay there's a little more merit behind this argument here right i'm just surprised they didn't specify and say dissociative amnesia yeah but maybe they did and that's just not what got published right um But anyway, back to the trial. So she's testifying saying that she did not remember the car ride, which was four years ago now. She's saying she still doesn't. All right. So she didn't then when she was asked. She didn't a few months later when she was asked again, and she definitely doesn't remember it now. But she believes that the writing part is true because it's not that would she would often. (laughs) I'm such an asshole. But she said it like it wasn't uncommon for her to drive around mm-hmm. in that area because it's a beautiful. It's Portland, Oregon. Right. It's beautiful. And it wasn't uncommon for her to like drive around with a notebook and pen and sort of like take notes as she saw them, jot things down because she was getting inspiration for her writing. Okay. And so in a way she was writing. But I'm like, in what way is the thought of a 71 year old driving around <laughs> with a <laughs> pen and paper stopping like in the middle of what the street to write something down because she's like doesn't want to lose that thought are you kidding me see i love this because i actually buy that 100 percent. i had an english professor in college who was something else she was hysterical um kind of as a caricature but i still thought she was funny and she would ask us random questions like very random questions for her book that she was writing 
So, like, an example of this was one day we came in and she was like, so what do you call your parents' best friends? Like, do you call them aunt? Do you call them uncle? Do you call them, like, Mr. and Mrs.? Do you call them by their first name? And we were all answering, but she was like, I got to use it for my book, and I just don't know what's the appropriate, like, addressing someone of that nature. And I was like, okay, whatever. I call them by their first name. Like, Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, for her, they're saying that, okay, does she forget she was driving the car? Possible. Is it possible that she recalls the writing and she just knew? So instead of being at home in bed writing, like she originally said, she's she's, in the car. Yeah, she's saying, I believe that to be the true, the true memory. I don't believe that that was changed. I just might not have been where I thought I was. Right. I also question a little bit of the, you know, at least from what I could find on dissociative amnesia, it's a trauma response. From what I could tell, it was like being in the presence of a traumatic event. She's being right. told traumatic, like upsetting information. Yeah. That the, and the delivery could have been traumatic or whatever that was. So I, I just, I think you can poke holes if you want to. My issue with this is less so that and more so the whole idea that it starts when you receive the traumatic news, right? Mm-hmm. So like. Yeah, I mean, losing your husband has to be traumatic, you know, whether or not they were in like the best standing or whatever. They clearly had many years together. Mm -hmm. But um, why would you forget what happened before you heard that news? So I guess it's common to forget the details beforehand. Okay, I mean, that makes Um, sense. Like before and after. And it's again, like this temporary fog over those memories because it all happened kind of around the same time. And your brain is kind of like it's kind of scrambled yeah you get the brain scramblies brain scramblies to quote our very good friend laszlo yes. from what we do in the shadows and if you don't watch it that's your homework anyway so so that's i just i th- again i think you can poke holes i think it can go either way i want to give all sides of it i can see both right proper credit we'll zoom back in then prosecution turns to nancy's writings okay her books and her essays and papers and Ironically, they hardly made her a dime before this. Now, I don't know if they've made her a dime since, but it didn't seem like many people were reading them. And now all of a sudden, all of these people are on this case. Right. Reading what she's written to see if there's any similarities to the situation that happened. Um, oh, no. You know, now like her work is in headlines and things like that. It's written about in articles. Mm-hmm. Um, but for all the wrong reasons, not why I'm sure she wrote them years ago. Um, So the titles of two of her books were, uh, one was The Wrong Husband. Oh. The other one is The Wrong Lover. Oh. And then she did uh, write and publish an essay called How to Murder Your Husband. Oh. Yes. So I read this essay. I read this How to Murder Your Husband. You did? I did. And I'm going to have it linked so you can too, should you want to. But I do want to pull some parts of this so that you can kind of have a little bit of context now i will preface this with saying this wasn't admissible in court only only the title was okay but you know they all read it yeah so come on okay so it was admissible in court yeah okay so she writes about motive okay and she says the very first motive she lists financial Jeez. Financial motive. So you decide for yourself if you don't want your browser history tainted like mine of looking up how to murder your husband. Um, 
Yeah, rip you. Yeah, don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't care and you want to be on the same crazy list that I'm on, I'm sure by now, then um, I'll save you a seat. Love it. <laughs> so here's excerpts from this essay. Okay. And my voice is going to go. Bear with me, you guys. It says, as a romantic suspense writer, I spent a lot of time thinking about murder and consequently about police procedure. After all, if the murder is supposed to set me free, I certainly don't want to spend any time in jail. And let me say clearly for the record, I don't like jumpsuits and orange isn't my color. Okay. Then she goes into motives. Um, number one, financial. In parentheses, this is big. Okay. Divorce is expensive. Do you really want to split your possessions? Or if you married for money, aren't you entitled to all of it? The drawback is the police aren't stupid. They are looking at you first. So you have to be organized, ruthless, and very clever. Husbands have disappeared from cruise ships before. Why not yours? Wild. Then, a little bit further down, she says, I find it easier to wish people dead than to actually kill them. I don't want to worry about blood and brains (laughs) splattered on my walls. Yes, that is fucking everybody. And really... I'm not good at remembering lies. No shit. But the thing I know about murder is that every one of us has it in him or her when pushed far enough. Okay, then a little bit further down. What if killing didn't produce the right results? Would they do it again? Could they do it again? What if they liked it? Whoa, there's an idea for a new story. End quotes. Uh. All of those. So now, that's her. That's her right. She can write, I mean, far stranger, crazier, nuttier, far more violent essays have been published by people who would never harm a fly. Right. There's a very, very, very large difference between artistic self-expression, writing for entertainment, all of that, than like what your pure intents are, what your morals are. And let's be real, we're sitting here talking about this stuff every day. She's writing about this stuff. That's not very different. Right. Now, I'm not, like, writing murders in my head, but could I probably think of a few? Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know all the true crime that we've told you guys. I'm sure you could probably scramble up a few of the stories and make one of your own. Absolutely. And so she has rights. She has a right to express herself. She can do that. You, as a reader, as a citizen, have the right to not read it. You can ignore it you can say that you don't like it and say that you hate it you can print it just so you can burn it you can do all the things that you want to do you you also have that right so defense was kind of like this is not representative of who she is and this was written back in 2013 okay so definitely time had passed so time had passed so since the you know murder and everything had been years um between when she wrote that and when this event happened Mm -hmm. but they did draw some attention from some of the other books, The Wrong Husband and The Wrong Lover. Um, but I did just want to give you a little bit of like what they're pointing at when they're poking holes at the things that she writes about. Now, is it ironic? Sure. If she did do this, I think it would probably have felt a little too familiar. I don't think I would have done it that way um, if, that's, oh, no. if that were my, my whole goal. It seems like she literally just laid out her outline of what she wanted to do and then she followed it. Right. And then clutches her pearls when people find it because she published it. Right. But that's just my opinion. Um, so even though this wasn't admissible in court, I wanted you to kind of know the writing that they're referring to. Um, 
because our books included these things, included murder, included, again, police procedure, included, you know, tense situations and ex-lovers and revenge and... The whole nine, yeah. And, again, one of the books included the large life insurance payout. Mm So they're highlighting, okay, there's some similarities here. So we talked about the motive being finances. That's what the prosecution said. We talked about how she was seen on tape, which is, you know, prosecution's like, how could you say you were here when you weren't right um but then the rebuttal to that we've got the amnesia then we talk about her writing and then the parallels there is that entertainment is it true life we don't know right the last thing i want to get into from the trial is the gun okay so nancy had purchased a glock 17 at a gun show previously okay she owned this firearm she also purchased a ghost gun kit now I'm not super familiar with it. What I could find was that it's basically just the parts of a gun and you can assemble them and they're not super difficult to assemble. Okay. Um, that way you don't have to like do a background check or things like that. There's kind of like your cute, your cute, loophole cute. around it. Cute. Um, as well as she bought a spare barrel and slide for the Glock 17. Okay. That could be swapped out. So investigators believe and then testified to the fact that they believe she shot dan with the glock that she purchased at the gun show then replaced the parts with the ones that she bought the spares of the spare slide and barrel and when asked about like the ghost gun she's saying that she was she bought it because she was writing about one of her characters in her book putting a gun together from scratch. So she needed to have the pieces and do it herself right. so she could write about it. So she said, I need to be acquainted with this. I need to be proficient with how all of this works because that's how my book's going to go. Well, and that's how authors have to do all of it. So a little odd. And then in her testimony, she said, quote, I'm kind of obsessed with these gun parts and I'm kind of amazed at how obsessed I am. Okay, now, is clean. that, but is that just like entertainment? You want to write about it because you think it makes a really good romance novel. Maybe you're getting back at the ex or maybe you're whatever, right. or the affair partner or something like that. Yeah. Something that makes it juicy that everyone reads. Um, so I just, I want to highlight that because they really point to that. And so could go either way. Yeah, really um, could. She had said that in the months after their debt was mostly paid off, they were the happiest that they had been in a really long time. Right. So she said she was his cheerleader and he was her cheerleader and they loved each other very much. Well, and that's why the financial motive hasn't fully clicked for me yet because yes, it was alleviated for the most part. Right. If the debt and the things that were truly the stressors for their financial situation had been alleviated. Where is the actual motive for the money then? Well, then the other piece of it is, okay, sure, they've taken care of that, but who's to say it can't happen again? And this time she'll have $1.4 million of a life. She doesn't want to be in that situation again because look how much it just costs to get out of it. Right. I think the other thing that concerns me about financial being the only motive is that the money came out of his retirement. And I know I know that impacts them both as a couple, but it's not like she was pulling out of hers. Mm-hmm. So that I if, could if see she had it, it. I could see it as a motive. Sure. But I'm not enti- like a thousand percent sold yet. All right. 
So according to KGW News, Nancy's niece, Sarah, um, made a statement. Okay. Because she was close with them before the murder. She had actually lived with them for a little bit. Okay. She observed them together a while. She said that they had a great relationship. And she was quoted as saying, quote, I personally observed her grieving, crying, sobbing, breaking down many times. Yeah. So a lot of people were pointing to her silence on the matter. Like, who would do this? Like, not not questioning those things. But really, she was arrested pretty shortly afterwards and wasn't going to make a statement that was going to harm her case. Right. You know, while she's behind bars and can't do anything about it. So... Nancy also said that through their financial struggles, they had both decided to increase their life insurance policies. So they both did that. Okay. Except, obviously, it was only highlighted that his was because he's the one that's deceased. Okay. Um, They had wanted to sell their home. They wanted to sell their home. They wanted to downsize. They wanted to have a better handle on finances moving forward. Yeah. So that's sort of how that like what that how that went. All right, that makes sense. She said that she testified that to this. She said, "It's like you've lost an arm, like you're just not as good as you were when you're with him. You were the best you could be when you were together with him, and now it's like, yeah, I function, but there's something missing." Oh, that's mm. sad. So this trial lasted 7 weeks, but it could have and should have been shorter. Um, they needed to break because some of the court personnel had COVID. Okay. So it like they had stopped it in the middle, had to regroup. Yeah. Um, the jury deliberated, returned a verdict, guilty of second degree murder. Okay. So the victim impact statement, we've talked about that before. It's when, um, victims or family members are able to give a statement, um, before the court to the defendant and the judge. Um, prior to the sentencing being delivered. So Dan's son, remember he had a son from a previous relationship, Yeah, had said, quote, the pain you have delivered to us is immeasurable. Your theft of a parent and a grandfather for your selfish reasons is unforgivable. You were, you were to borrow from your catalog the wrong wife. Remember her book, The Wrong Husband? Yes. You were the wrong wife. King. That's a good comeback. Like, twist that <laughs> knife, guy. Oof. And then BBC quoted him as saying, you opted to lie, cheat, steal, defraud, and un- ultimately kill the man that was your biggest fan. Oh. Yeah. So that was his son, Nathaniel. Uh. Then Dan's mother, Karen, also made a statement. So somehow, I don't know, it was, like, weird to me. Dan's mom's alive. Yeah. So she's, like, got to be, like, old, old. 80s, 90s. I'm guessing, Yeah. yeah. So she said, we'll never understand how you can decide that it was an advantage for you to take the life of our son, that he did not deserve to live. You will never know our beautiful great-grandchildren, Dan's grandchildren. These children deserve to know and love him as we all have. Right. So Nancy was given 25 years. She is 71. Okay. It's not likely that she will be released yeah but i do want to end on this piece which is actually from 2013 and it was a local um article actually in the oregonian had interviewed dan about because dan 
was the culinary teacher, but he also had like a garden in his backyard. So he would grow a lot of this is so you. He would grow <laughs> he would grow a lot of like his own herbs and things Aww. like for the classroom. Mm-hmm. He would take them on like excursions to go like collect like wild mushrooms and like flowers and things oh like that. Oh my gosh, I love l- him. Yes. And that so is very me. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to include this. So this was an article written in twenty thirteen. Um, and I literally wrote like, I know Abby aspires to be (laughs) this man. So he was quoted as saying, I clipped out an article from the newspaper a while ago about a 93 year old mushroom hunter. I hope that's me at 93. Aw, Dan. So unfortunately he did not make it to 93. I have a lot of thoughts on this case actually. Hit me. Um, first, I think it's likely that she did it because Occam's razor, right? Simplest solution. Usually the one that we see is, you know, the one that happens. Mm -hmm. And I get that that's theory. But I also think that it's more likely that she did it for the sake of knowing how to do it for her books than she did for the sake of killing her husband. You know what I mean? Really? I do. I believe the financial motive. I... Believe that in part, but here's the thing. As someone who has had to learn a lot about finances in order to have, like, I would say a fairly comprehensive grasp, like, that was literally one of my resolutions one year was to, like, learn about finances. Mm -hmm. I could see it being much easier with somebody else with you. And I know that in relationships it can be a big stressor, but... I would consider the stressor to be like, okay, we have debt. Why did you get coffee again? Like we have to pay debt and that $5 could have gone there. Mm -hmm. But now that that's done, if they're actively working to sell their house and they're trying to downgrade, right? They're Mm -hmm. trying to downsize. That would not only presumably give them an extra chunk of cash in their pocket because they're going from something bigger to something smaller. Mm -hmm. But then they would both be able to sort of figure out how they wanted to adjust going forward. And to me, that is a lot easier with somebody else next to you. My thought process on this is the same way she might be writing, going out and getting inspiration from people. She might be writing, going out and performing the duties that she's writing about, which in her books are apparently killing your husband. Mm -hmm. And how do you write about that, quote unquote, proficiently, the same way she did with a ghost gun? Unless you do it. Well, and that's it. And I feel like when one of the books that was like literally the motive for the murder. Right. In the love story was the large life insurance payout. Right. Just seemed like she literally wrote a how to for herself. And then not only that, she actually went ahead and wrote a how to murder your husband essay, published it. And granted, it's like a page and a half long. Right. It's not this big thing. It lists some things. Every book has them in it. She's not unique in that. Right. So I can't say like, aha, this was her master plan. To me, it's very juvenile reading it. I'm like, I could have written that like yeah. shit faced. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't like that. To me, it wasn't a fantastic sample of writing right. by any chance. It uh, wasn't by any means. masterful of the art. No, she wasn't like honing her craft right. with, with this piece, but it was old and whatever. Okay. In 2013, there's a lot of like you know gone girl and things like you know the the other woman and marriages falling apart and not whatever they look like cameron diaz one is where she's dating like a spy but she doesn't know it you know yeah yeah like all of the things that you know 
were present then are still present now that we're interested in hell we have a true crime podcast y'all are listening to this yeah um it is perfectly appropriate to have an interest in those things and to take it a step further we like talking about it what if we liked writing about it you know yeah i don't think that that is like aha you did it i think for me yeah exactly i think the writings combined with the actions are like come on really but i also think that just sheerly writing about it purely being interested not enough to convict somebody but again that's step by step that's pretty intense and i don't know i mean i guess it would make a really good case to frame her like if i'm if I'm really trying to think of all angles here, like someone could say, okay, she wrote that. I could probably do that. And they put it on her and they did, but she's on the security camera minutes before he's found dead. They have no other suspects. It was a matter of minutes. To me, it's far more about that stuff than it is any of the other things. And here's the other thing. If she did get trauma, I mean, and she could have trauma brain from that, even if it was of her own volition, Mm -hmm. Of course, you'd block it from yourself that that's what you want to do. But also, like, yeah, now she's experienced the event. She's there in person doing the thing that is what causes that memory gap. Like, that makes more sense to me. I also consider how quick she was to discard things in her life. And I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but hear me out. Okay. She started going for economics, living in Texas. Decides, nope, discarding that. Moves on. Moves to Oregon yeah starts culinary school well first of all she gets married divorced meets this guy starts dating her professor okay then owns the business okay so you're not like taking the culinary route necessarily you've kind of switched hands a little bit then you say f that business is failing i'm switching gears entirely i'm gonna go to insurance and medicare policy sales right okay does that drops that says i'm gonna be a writer the writing is not paying the bills my friend but you know what would is getting rid of, discarding yeah. that crusty mitt. No, I'm just kidding. But her yeah. husband, yeah. who wasn't making the money that maybe she believed he should have yeah. or something like that. But, like, you marry a professor, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, like, you're not doing that for the money. Like, in any kind of government work, too, you can see the trajectory of, like, what that salary is going to be. Yeah. It's just, it's all laid out on paper. You know what that is. Yeah. She had been previously making a lot of money with the catering business. Then in the insurance sales, not enough, but mm-hmm. some. And then she's like this like C-list writer now yeah, that isn't selling books. But she still wants to do what she wants to do. Yeah. And she's just very quick to discard things. See, I think for me, it's less so about the discarding and more about how no matter what, it's a fresh start. It's something entirely mm-hmm. new. Because as someone who has literally moved like a long way away Mm -hmm. from where I grew up right like Mm -hmm. I totally understand the desire for a fresh start I feel like I'm someone who really gets that but at the same time I also know that you know leaving your hometown you leave all of the mistakes you make as an adolescent you are able to sort of grow and become who you are without the shadow of what has happened Mm -hmm. and that's not for me to say like I never killed anybody like I never did anything that could land me in jail or prison that we know about to my knowledge (laughs) you know what I mean retrograde amnesia retrograde amnesia (laughs) (laughs) all right all right all right um (laughs) Every time I say that, I think rheumatoid arthritis, but I know what we're talking about. 
Oh my god. <laughs> but anyway, um like nothing like that, but even just, you know, small town gossip and stuff like that. Like you want to get away from it. And to me, that says there was something to get away from, right? Like a fresh start. Why does it have to be a fresh start? Why does it need to be a blank page? Why can't it be this happened and then this happened and now I'm here? Like there was just, I mean, the only thing that she's consistent with is being inconsistent. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that it doesn't seem like she was a great worker and good at all of the things that she tried her hand at. Right. I mean, her writing isn't like horrible. She did write books. I mean, they, you know, yeah, they didn't catch on. It doesn't mean that it's not good and that she wasn't hoping it would, but it's just like, okay, that wasn't paying the bills, but that's really what she wants to do. What's going to get them money right now. Right. Um, that's yeah. where, that's where my mind went. I think I it could go either way for me. I'm really leaning towards she did it. I mean, yeah. she is serving time for it now, but I always like to like play the devil's advocate and look at all the sides. Yeah. Um, I, I lean towards she did it. I still feel not entirely certain as to why, but I would, I would venture to say a combination of money and, you know, if she truly is telling the truth and is just invested enough in her writing to do things like buy a ghost gun to figure out how that works, mm-hmm. I could definitely see this as not a huge stretch towards that same thing yeah um and of course it probably wouldn't hurt if you got a million dollars out of it you know i mean i, I wouldn't 1. like 1.5 like swat it away no i'd be if like someone oh. were gonna give me that i oh, mean i don't no. want to lose a loved one for it at all i would always take the person but if someone's just like eh, I'm good. i mean i'm not gonna be like no you keep it yeah <laughs> you know what you need that more than i do you <laughs> stick that in your pocket i like, would Big Mama's got a mortgage, honey. I want to take that. Some student <laughs> loans. <laughs> Queenie, eh? Get rid of them. Oh. So but. that is the the story of the murder of Dan Brophy and, you know, how Nancy was arrested for it. Well, uh, it sure does make it interesting then that 17 years into their marriage, they get their marriage certificate. Mm-hmm. It sure does make it interesting that she got $1.4 million. Well, she wanted to. I don't think that happened. And uh, what a time to be alive. That is weird. Yeah, I hope she didn't. Because normally life insurance, you can't get it if you're implicated in the death at all, right? No. Yeah. Suicide or homicide, I don't believe. Yes. And isn't that just like wild? That, I know we're going to wrap up here soon, but it's so crazy to me that people will still kill people for life insurance money just on the off chance that they get away with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you now you're out a person that you loved and the payout that you were hoping to get. And now you're life behind bars. Yeah. Not the best gamble. Dude, I wonder how like pissed off she was to go into like a facility with the shitty food as a culinary person. Okay, that probably pissed her off. But you know what? I bet she's doing fine. I bet she's getting so much writing material in there, shanking other bitches. Ooh. wonder if she's we're going to get like another book called... Uh, love after lockup no just kidding that's a tv show <laughs> she's like maybe orange is my color <laughs> maybe orange is the new black <laughs> oh my gosh trademark copyright arrest again i know <laughs> <laughs> oh my well uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us we want to just tell you a little bit about where you can keep up with our cases and our episodes and all that fun stuff that we do 
Abby, where could they find all those things? So if they wanted to get like pictures of the people and the places that we're talking about. Yes, precisely. See really cute pets. Always. Send us some little DMs. They could open up that little Instagram on their phone app. Ooh. Their phone app. Ooh. Ooh, I'm 80. How old are you? I know. Are you jotting down notes while you're driving too? Maybe. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I should be with uh, how little I can see these days. but You almost rear-ended me today. <laughs> I know. I really did almost rear-end her today. I saw you uh, up and I was like, oh, dear like, God. Oh God. <laughs> I, I scooted up. Did you see that? I did. I was like, what in the hell? Anyway. I saw you have to pick up your stuff that flew yep. off the car seat. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even get to because it was so wedged in there. I was like, fuck. Okay. I took off. I was like, I got to get away from her. <laughs> I know. And then I was trying to catch up because I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose you. <laughs> anyway okay so guys if you wanted to see all those resources stop please stop distracting us we can't do it um you could go to our instagram you could search in about time for true crime pod with periods in between all of those words because yes four is a word in our instagram so that's a-b-o-u-t period t-i-m-e period f-o-r period t-r-u-e period c-r-i-m-p-e period p-o-d absolutely and you can always find it linked in the show notes too we're always going to have it listed there oh hell yeah and we put out stories every time that we post to let you guys know we put out our actual posts with everybody's faces we have highlights that in like we have highlights that will give you resources for national lines and for causes that we've highlighted in these episodes so it is a good place to be and hell you might get to see a cat out of it, which you is might a get great to see deal. Several cats out of it, but mm-hmm. that's all. You're not going to know until you see it. Or doggos, or snakes. Just saying. I know we had some slithery friends. As long as there's no spiders, I am all set. Yeah, Allie will actually like pee herself if you send in a spider. So don't do that. Now we're gonna get tons of spiders. Oh my gosh, you guys are pee assholes. So much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if they wanted to send us like a longer. Um, a little inquiry tell us about their childhood trauma which i wouldn't suggest because we can't actually speak to that we don't have any of those we fancy letters to psychology today yes um profess your love for abby and her sultry voice and me for my nasally one right now Ooh. very sick um where could they do that um they could log on to their cute little email okay and then email us at about time the number four tc at gmail so that's a-b-o-u-t-t-i-m-e numeral four t-c as in true crime at gmail.com i love that all right you guys well uh we won't keep you forever we hope you have a really good fall weekend we hope you have a fantastic weekend and if you're in new england this might be one of the last times you're gonna see the leaves so get out there and do it i know it peep those leaves peep them leaves i know forget new hampshire i'll drive up there and i'll peep all their leaves all the leaves so do it all right you guys um go enjoy that have a spooky ooky weekend um filled with only good spook of course only the good spook and we will see you next week if i look at my clock i think that was about time time for true crime bye